It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on thunder, your daily Oklahoma city thunder podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com or call into the show, 405-362-7128, 405-362-7128. On today's show... We're going to dive into the Timberwolves wanting to trade the top pick and what that means for this year's NBA draft. And we'll also talk about where the Thunder might pick in this year's NBA draft. And then we'll continue on and finish out the NBA draft big board. And so I want to start with the topic of the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves currently own the number one overall pick in this year's draft, which will take place on November 18th. And they seem pretty comfortable. In fact, that they're actively looking for trading out of that top pick. Because they view the prospects that they want, and you can list off Denny, you can list off the center from USC, Big O. They have a couple of names that they're looking at, and they view that each of those names, if selected at number one, would be viewed as a reach. So that they feel like they can trade back and still get their guy and acquire assets in the process. So it makes sense for the Wolves to want to trade out of, out of the first pick. It also makes sense for the Warriors to want to trade out of the second pick. So as we get down the line here, it seems like there's going to be a lot of first-round picks available. We already know at the bottom of the draft, teams are going to want to move out of that first-round pick because you do not want to give a guy a first-round contract if you don't view him as a first-round talent. And some people don't view this draft as very deep. They don't view this draft as very good, very talented. I think that this draft class lacks stars. In fact, I think it lacks a star. And what I mean by that is 
I do not look at any of these players, even number one through five on my big board. I don't look at any of them as a for sure NBA star. Now, they could turn into stars, absolutely. But I do not view them as stars. So it makes this draft interesting. It makes it to where the Wolves do want to trade out that first round pick. Uh, you know, the first overall pick, I should say. They want, to, they want to stay in the first round, but move down from number one. Same thing with the Warriors. There's no star. And I do think, though, that this draft class is deep with role players and starting caliber players in this year's draft class to where I wouldn't want to totally remove myself from this first round, but I can see why some teams view it as a necessity or as a benefit to move down to the second round and lose that first round contract. You know, don't even make a selection in the first round. And, and Brian Windhorst has been all over that at ESPN, uh, talking about the benefits cap-wise for teams to move out of the first round. So it makes sense, and I think that it's going to be a common trend, that everyone is open for business. I think that you can get any pick in this first class that you want. I just do. I mean, unless someone is in love with, say, LaMelo Ball or something like that, I think that they're going to be open for business. So you can pretty much get whatever you want to at any time. And when any report like this comes out about the, the number one pick being available or any pick being available, the immediate question for Thunder fans are, is can the Thunder actually get involved? And the answer for a long time is going to be yes. The Thunder can get involved. They have 14 future first round picks. They have the best trade chip on the market right now. They have some more assets on, the, on their roster to trade like Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams. But will they and should they? Can they as a, as a certainty... They can make almost any trade they want to. But will they is a different story. I don't see the Thunder going up to number one. I just don't. I don't see them putting in enough assets to get number one. Because I don't think that the Wolves are a good fit for Chris Paul. They want Chris Paul. And that would kind of elevate them into the top ten. If you want to make that trade with the Knicks and hopefully try to swindle your way into the number eighth pick. That's kind of where I'm at there. I don't think the Thunder will be the top pick. But could they get involved? They absolutely could. They absolutely could. Uh, but again, the Wolves want to stay in the first round, and the Thunder only have the 25th pick to offer. Just keep them in the first round. And by that time, Big O's gone, Denny's gone. The guys that they like are gone. So where will the Thunder pick is a big question to me. They have the 25th pick, but will they actually make that selection? Will they actually be picking there? And I'm not certain that they will be. Now, look, I, I don't know uh, if they'll pick 25, if they'll pick above that, below that. I don't know. To move off of this first-round pick will be easy because of, of the way that the draft class looks, especially if you can get something in the future for next year's draft class or the year after that, as those two draft classes seem to be loaded. Uh, but I feel pretty confident saying that they're going to make a selection in this year's draft class in the first round. The question is, where is that going to be at? I wouldn't say it's for sure not going to be 25, but I would also prepare you to, uh, you know, look into prospects above 25 and below 25 because I think it'll be anywhere around that first round. I'm very confident it will be in the first round. Not sure where, though. And that's the interesting part of all this. It's because Chris Paul's trade can factor into it. Then a shooter trade can factor into it. And you might keep 25 and then add on another pick as well. So this draft class is going to be weird for Oklahoma City. And really got to shift your attention to the draft for Oklahoma City for a long, long, long time as they look to rebuild here for the next couple of years. And the draft becomes the main event. It's no longer the postseason. It's no longer a championship. It's the draft. The lottery is your championship. The draft is where you cash in. And you move on from there for at least two to three years. But the Thunder are going to be set up pretty well because I do think that this draft class is deep enough with NBA quality players. 
I think that you're going to draft someone who is a part of your uh, contending team. You know, whoever you draft this year, you should hit on because of how deep I grade out this draft class. I have a grade on, on a bunch of guys, even, even beyond the top 30, that I think are legitimate contributors at the NBA level. So you should at least get a contributor for a playoff team in this draft class, no matter where you pick, 25 or higher, or even below 25. So this draft will be fun. But of course, next year's draft class, when you're picking in the lottery, when you're hopefully having the top pick, when you're hopefully getting Cade Cunningham, next year and the year after that will be the, the big ones, of course. And we'll, we'll talk all about those draft classes and even starting next month whenever the college basketball season gets started uh, on the week of Thanksgiving. So I did want to dive into my NBA draft big board. And in fact, I want to finish out the big board. I know that it's been a long process. I do appreciate everyone who has commented on Twitter, DM me on Twitter, talked about it on the podcast feed, talked about how much you enjoy the big board. I appreciate that. It takes a lot of time to get this list compiled together and to review these guys' college tape and to make little comments about what I like about them, what I don't like about them, and see how they would fit with Oklahoma City. It takes a lot of time, so I appreciate all the positive feedback about the big board. And again, this draft class is, is not cut and dry, so you can totally have differing opinions on any draft class, but especially this one. So I understand that, that we've had some great dialogue about how some people value this guy more than I do, or I value this guy more than they do. And that's about this that's about how fun this process is and how fun it is to talk about the draft, uh, but especially in this year where there's no clear-cut number one and really there's no clear-cut one through 30. You can have so many different um, options here and so many different configurations of your top 30. But we are number 20. I did want to finish out the NBA draft big board. We can shift into a mock draft coming up this week. We're also going to talk to Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports on Friday about this offseason. When will it get started? What will it look like? And what can the Thunder do to jumpstart this rebuild? So a lot to dive into this week on Locked on Thunder, your only podcast that happens every single day about the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I do want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably didn't know how to work the internet. You really didn't. You had dial-up internet. It was a disaster when your landline would ring. All of a sudden, the internet would cut out. You didn't know what you were doing. But you could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts that your car would ever need. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. And that sounds weird. Why do I love rockauto.com so much whenever I know nothing about cars? It's because I do not have to know anything about cars. When I need a car part... I just go to rockauto.com, I put my make, my model, my year into the database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. Otherwise, I would be totally lost. I would be wasting money on parts that I can't even use on my car. Rockauto.com makes it so simple. And there's no point to go to a auto parts store or a dealership because all they're going to do is order the part you need online and then upcharge you for that part. Skip the upcharge, go to rockauto.com, find all the parts your car will ever need. With their amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box. I also want to tell you about a good friends over at Built Go. Built Go makes the best you at whatever you do. It helps you break through your wall. Whether that is mental or a physical wall, break through with Go every day. It is an easy to take one and a half ounce packet to put in your briefcase for your most focused presentation ever, put in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or Put in your pocket to just get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it makes you feel better about your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. 
How does Built Go work? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein that is a fast absorbing to get into your system fast, plus it's easy on your stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Beta Luni B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks into action and keeps me going strong. With B6, B12, the B12 has 10,000% of your daily percentage. Collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, and that stuff literally makes you look better. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. That's BuiltGo.com, promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use LOCKED at BuiltGo.com for 20% off. Let's go. So we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I. L-E-S. We're going to continue and finish up my NBA draft big board. And again, I appreciate all of the positive feedback about the big board and your comments as well about what prospects you like and maybe don't like as much as I do. So let's recap the big board to this point. We had Anthony Edwards, number one, Killian Haynes, Big O, the center from USC, LaMelo Ball, Therese Halliburton, Denny, James Wiseman, Terrell Terry, Obi Toppin, Isaac Okoro, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Therese Maxey, Sadiq Bey, Aaron Naismith, Devin Vassil, Desmond Bain, Nico Mannion, and then Precious at number 19. And now we move on to 20. And today we're going to finish out number 20 through 30. At number 20, I have Josh Green, the Arizona wing, who is a freshman. He's 19 years old right now. He is a 6'6 height with a 6'10 wingspan. He has an incredible basketball IQ. He is one of the smartest players in this draft, which is saying a lot because we've mentioned all throughout this big board about how many great playmakers there are. And to be a great playmaker, you need to have that intelligence, and he does. And one thing that you'll love about Josh Green is how good he is at spot-up shooting, how great he is at spot-up three-pointers, which will help playing alongside Shea, who will facilitate and will go into that point guard role this year. And again, I think that we can all agree that this year will be a a trial run for, for SGA as a, as a lead point guard and a lead ball handler. And to have somebody that he can kick it out to like Josh Green, who can nail that three point shot. He can do spot up. He can do catch and shoot. Josh Green's a really good shooter in my opinion. And you move forward and he's also a very good defender and he's more so great off the ball. Cause again, that basketball IQ, that cerebral nature of, of his game comes out off the ball, but he can still do one-on-one defense, and he can still be put in those situations, and you will not just outright embarrass him. He will stay in front. He will do his job. He's better off the ball, but he's still a really good on-ball defender. He has the IQ. He has the motor. He has the intelligence to play defense at a high level at the NBA. in the NBA. The question is, how versatile do you want him? At 6'6", 6'10", wingspan, do you feel comfortable putting a guy that's 210", on the one through four positions as the NBA moves into positionless basketball. But I love his defense. I think this defense mixed with the shooting makes him a really talented prospect. And it's not just shooting with him. Again, that high IQ translates to his cutting ability. So he can make the three-point shot, which means you cannot sag off of him. So whenever you press up onto him, he also knows how to cut, where to cut, and when to cut. And those are some important traits for a 19-year-old to already understand and already know where to make their first step, how to make their first step, and which direction they need to cut towards. And getting to the basket and finishing at the rim is a strong suit for him, in my opinion. Now, at the rim, he can't alter a shot very well. So if you do rotate 
well defensively and disrupt his his motion going towards the rim and again have to have him pull a shot back down and then try to lay it back up and alter a shot in the air. Not so good at that. So that's a bit of a of a question mark about how efficient how efficient he can be at the rim and finishing at the rim if he cannot alter a shot, which he was not he did not display in college that ability. But he can switch. He has a lot of energy defensively, which means he has a motor and some great effort he gives defensively. The IQ helps him be a better playmaker. He's not, to me, a lead ball handler. But again, he is someone who, if I pass it to Josh Green, I understand that he's going to make the right basketball move. He's going to keep the offense flowing. He's going to keep the ball moving in the right direction. He's either going to catch, shoot, drive, or pass, and he knows what he wants to do. He's decisive, which is something that young players struggle with. You see it even in Oklahoma City. You saw it this postseason. Shea, a phenomenal talent who I think is going to be a top 15 player in the NBA, was indecisive in the postseason, and it cost you a few possessions uh, in every game against the Rockets this series. So the indecisiveness will come for young players, but Josh Green is so smart that he'll have an easier time adjusting and being decisive with what he wants to do. So I I rate Josh Green very highly at 20. Uh, Most people have him around the mid-20s, late-20s. I have him at, at number 20 exactly. So at 21, I have Alabama sophomore guard Tyra Lewis Jr., I think that he is a talented point guard, 6'3", 6'6", wingspan. I am lower on him than most people. Most people have him late lottery or quickly thereafter the lottery. I have him down at 21. Uh, He's a very fast point guard who can hustle, who can use his speed and quick twitch ability to get to the rim. But again, at at, at 6'3", with a 6'6", wingspan, how good can he be when finishing at the rim at times in college? And again, I do want to give the preference for him the same way I have for other guys. At Alabama, there's not a ton of talent around you. So whenever you're someone who's going to be projected in the first round, you feel the pressure to initiate all offense. You feel the pressure to be the, the, the focal point of the offense and to score buckets and to keep your team in the games. But at times, he used that speed and he got out of sorts. He, he drove too fast. He didn't slow down. He was reckless getting to the rim. And it caused turnovers. It caused missed shots. It caused wasted possessions. His playmaking, his playmaking ability was not the best. He would get ripped often. He would throw the ball away often. And there were times in which it looked like he didn't know what to do with the ball, but he knew he shouldn't have it anymore. What I mean by that is he'd, he'd pick up the, his dribble or he would lift into the air and he'd get caught because he knew he didn't want to shoot yet. He knew he didn't want to drive. He knew he needed to get rid of the basketball, but he didn't know where to go with the basketball. So it would cause him to throw the ball away and just absolutely lose an entire possession for the Tide. And that's not very good for a point guard. And, and here's a guy that I think that can only be a point guard in the NBA. I don't think he's very versatile. I don't think he can he can switch defensively. I don't think that offensively he can be a shooting guard. I don't think that he can do anything but be a point guard. Now he can create for himself with it, with his acceleration, with his speed, with his ability to blow by you with those dribble moves uh, whenever he's not getting the ball ripped away from him. And he makes a high percentage of shots. He's a good pull-up shooter. He's a good guy off the bounce, you know, shooting from the three-point land and the like. But I do worry a ton about the recklessness when driving, his ability to finish through contact. I worry a lot about his playmaking as a point guard. And shooting off the dribble, while it's good in the mid-range, I don't think it's NBA good, right? I think it's college-level good. What I mean by that is in college, you see a ton of zone defenses. And frankly, some of these kids in college just are not talented enough to run the zone defense because they leave wide-open spaces, they do not rotate quickly enough, and it leads you to wide-open shots off the dribble in the mid-range area. And he excelled at that a little bit, but 
whenever the defense has actually played him correctly and the defense closed out on him, he then struggled off the dribble. And if that's his best way to create a shot and he still struggles with it in college, I wonder how much better he can get in the NBA. So I worry about a ton of things with Lewis. I do. Not switchable. Not a good playmaker. Can't finish at the rim and kind of relies too much on getting to the rim. So when you can't finish through contact and you rely solely on that, I worry. But defensively, even though he can't switch, he's very good. He is very good. He can go get your point guard. He can go lock down your point guard. Now that gets harder and harder when you move from the SEC into guarding Steph Curry and into guarding you know these elite point guards. That gets harder and harder. But he does show that ability to guard at least guards. And I think that his form is good. His free throw percentage shows that he can excel from long distance at the NBA level. Those are good indicators for him. I don't want this to sound like he has no upside. Again, good pick and roll guy. Good good at creating his own shot. He has a good technique when he's shooting the basketball. He has a good form. He can shoot free throws very well, which I always use as an indicator of if he can shoot from beyond the arc eventually in his career. Good defender. The problem is he's not a versatile defender. The, the problem with his, his shot creation is a lot of that is due to his ability to switch speeds and to blow past defenders. And so... When you blow past defenders and get to the rim, can you do that at the next level? Can you blow by defenders at the next level? And when you get to the rim, can you actually finish unlike you were able to at college? His shooting off the dribble does need some work. He can get the contact, but again, finishing after the contact is hard for him. He can't switch defensively. The way he dribbles is far too relaxed and far too, quote-unquote, upright. Again, he already had turnover issues in college. That'll expand on him at the NBA level. So I do worry about all those things for him. And that's why he falls to 21 while others have him in the lottery. Still to come, we're going to do number 20 through 30 on the other side. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. We're going to continue the NBA draft big board with number 22. And Patrick Williams comes in at 22. This is another player that I feel like I'm very low on. Uh, again, he's projected low lottery in some cases, high 20s. In other cases, I have him at 22, so I have him right there in the high 20s. And he's the wing from Florida State who hustles a ton, has great three-point abilities for his size. He shot 32% from beyond the arc. He is 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. I view him as a very versatile defender, so I love that about his game. He's a smart guy, a gritty player, and the three-point shot is what you really fall in love with, right? I mean, you have the hustle, you have the defense, you have the amazing rim protection, but you fall in love with the three-point shooting in today's day and age. And... He can be a small ball five. If you're a team looking to make that leap, right, looking to make the plunge into the small ball five, Patrick Williams might be your best option. 
And I know I have him below Precious, but Patrick Williams and Precious to me are 1A, 1B. If you have him above Pre- Precious as, as that small ball five, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you too much. He does all the little things right. He can cut, he can screen, he can rebound, while adding a for sure three-point shot. And that's the difference between him and Precious. And this is where you'll see more guys favor him over Precious because Precious has the form to eventually shoot threes. He does not have the three, the, the free throw percentage, which I don't like. I, I always use that as a barometer. But Patrick Williams not only has the form, but he has the results. He has shown you for 30% from beyond the arc as a 6'8 wing who can use as a small ball five, that's really good. He's shown you can make tough shots off the dribble. He's shown you you can make tough catch-and-shoot shots as the guys are closing out on him. He's shown you can be a playmaker, uh, especially down low and, and continuing to uh, flow that offense and continuing to keep the ball moving in the right way and move the defense with his passes. He can do all of that. I do worry, though, that his catch-and-shoot numbers are not coming along as quickly as you'd like to. He's shown he can catch and shoot at times, but his better asset when shooting the basketball is off the dribble, is off the bounce. So I do expect that to come along faster as he's an 84% free throw percentage shooter, but he does struggle with it right now on the catch and shoot, which is what I think that he will he will see more in the NBA. He will get more opportunities to catch and shoot in the NBA than he will shooting off the bounce. The turnovers are a big deal but I don't think he'll be put in position to turn the ball over that frequently in the NBA. And then his man-to-man defense. He's a very good uh, interior defender. He's a very good rim protector, but you can isolate him and get him out on an island and you can blow by him immediately. So the defense mixed with him still needs to develop a shot on the catch and shoot, lower him down my big board, especially below Precious, but I still like him, especially at pick 22, or below. And now we move into my number 23 player. I have Jaden McDaniels here. I love his three-point shooting. Again, another big man who can shoot threes at 6'9", height, 6'11", wingspan, 19 years old. Still a ton of room to grow. Great spot-up shooter. You really like his mechanics whenever he's getting shots off the handoff, coming around screens, spot-up shooter in the corner. I like that for Jaden McDaniels. For such a wing that you would want to put kind of at the low block sometimes or want him to cut better. He does struggle to finish at the rim, which I don't like for him because I do want to use Jay McDaniels with his size and frame as more of a cutter, as more of someone in the pick and roll, rolling to the basket. I want to see that from him and his inability to finish at the rim is a big concern to me. He cannot drive there on his own. He cannot dribble his way into the paint and get do it effectively. He just can't. That's off the table. But you would hope that he can pick up his inability to cut at the, at the rim and to cut to the rim. I still view him as a good spot-up shooter. I view him as a versatile defender with his size. And for his size, the ball handling is nice, but again, it cannot get him through the trees and into the painted area. It's just a nice asset to have for him to free him up in the mid-range game or to comfortably try a step-back three, something like that. He can run the pick-and-roll whenever he's the ball handler because he's a good jump shooter off the dribble. So if that opens up for him on the pick and roll, that'll be a nice that'll be a nice ability he has. But for as good as he is when he's dribbling, I don't view him as a good driver to the rim. And as good as he's dribbling, he cannot make smart passes. He just doesn't. He 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 will frustrate you with the way he passes the basketball. He just will. And he'll throw it away, he'll throw it into crowds, and that gets picked off in the NBA level. 
some of the lazy passes he made at at a Washington will get absolutely obliterated by NBA defenses. And defensively, while he can be versatile, while he plays really good defensively, and he does show an ability to rotate and block shots and all that good stuff as a, as a college player at 200 pounds. And again, go look at him. That's not a good 200 pounds for him. Opposing players will just back him down and treat him like child's play. Now, the good thing about that is who really takes the time to back you down anymore in today's game. So maybe that, even though that, that will be, always be an option to you, maybe it will not be exploited as much in this today in today's modern NBA, it might not get exploited as much. But he's number 23 for me. I know a ton of people like Jade McDaniels. Let me know if you're one of those people. Number 24 is Isaiah Joe. And Isaiah Joe is an interesting candidate at Arkansas, a sophomore guard, really good three-point shooter, but that's all you can say about him. I'm not going to hold his inconsistencies from, from three-point land against him because at Arkansas, he didn't have much around him to spread the floor, spread the defenses out, and to get a shot he would want. Whereas at the NBA level, your focal point will not be Isaiah Joe whenever he's on the floor. So that does give him some more breathing room to shoot the threes. His attempts will come down because he's not the only option, and it'll create for a better, more consistent shooter. But really, that's the only asset he has to me is his shooting. And he can score at all three levels with that jump shot. He can also finish around the rim a little bit, um, and his defense is really good. His defense, especially off the ball, is good because he's so fast and can play the passing lanes. I do worry about his one-on-one isolation defense, but his main asset is shooting, and that's why you draft him. You don't draft him for any other reason except for you want a guard who can shoot at 6'5 with a nice three-point stroke. That's how he winds up at 24 for me. Number 25, I have Theo Maldon, the France guard wing, however you want to classify him. And he has spoken with Oklahoma City as I spoke to him during the NBA Combine media availabilities. And he sounds like a really good guy, if that counts for anything for you. I know a ton of people love him on tape, and a ton of people have him falling on tape after the season he had this year. So he'll be an interesting case study, in my opinion. And you look at him, and he is a 6'4 guard with a 6'8 wingspan, 18 years old. He can really score on the interior. He reminds me of Shea in that way, in the sense of the way he gets to the rim and how he can finish and make it look so easy. Even while being 6'4", he can score on big men down low. He does not have the size and the versatility, in my opinion, that Shea does. And I think that Shea's scoring in the low post is more obtainable in the sense of, or more sustainable at the NBA level, as we've seen in in his two years in the NBA. I don't know how sustainable Theo's scoring in the paint will be once he graduates to the NBA. And I don't know how good his playmaking is. I have questions about that. Even with the frame he has right now as a 6'8 wingspan guy, he's just kind of, I don't know if you describe it as soft or what. He doesn't provide much defensively. He's not engaged defensively. He's not a good defender, which is really disappointing and discouraging when you're drafting a versatile guard. And that's the same way that he takes it up to the rim. That's the same way that he takes it up offensively. And that's why I don't view his scoring ability at the rim sustainable at the NBA level if you're going to go up uh, soft, if you want to put it in that term. And that's all I have to really say about Theo Maladon, because I think that he's still a good player. A lot of people liked him, especially he was way higher up um, this time last year. But he just put a bad year on tape, and it could just be a simply simply be a bad year where he dealt with some injuries, where he felt the pressure of making the leap to the NBA level, things like that. I, I like his interior scoring, I do. I like his IQ, but 
there's just more to meets the eye than that. And I, I think I still have him too high at 25. But it's another case study where here's someone who's valued so highly a year ago, you might as well take a shot on him in this class. And then number 26, I have Devon Dotson, one of my favorite players in this class. He's a Kansas guy. He's 6'2", 6'3", wingspan. The size is going to be a big deterrent for a lot of people. He has great ball handling ability. He can score on the interior with his ability to get to the rim off the dribble. He is so fast. He's going to blow by you every single time. The question is, can he use his body to shield off defenders? Can he use his body in an effective way for his frame to not get blocked every time you blow by somebody, not allow them to recover and to block every attempt you make? I think he's a better three-point shooter than he gets credit for, and it shows up at the free throw line. Uh, He's an 81% free uh, free throw shooter in 300 plus attempts at Kansas. That's going to translate to the NBA level at three-point shooting, I would say, eventually. He's gotten better and better as a playmaker at Kansas. You, you look at their offense, right, at Kansas. His freshman year, he was really asked to do a lot of dumping it down low, and they were trying to run the three big offense. They had Udoka. Mitch Lightfoot was playing a lot. They had Silvio De Sosa. It, it was just kind of dump it down low, pack the paint, see what happens. The further and further Bill Self got away from that for various reasons, whether it be Silvio suspension or, or you know, I think Mitch Lightfoot got hurt for a little bit. Udoka got hurt for a little bit. The further and further away that 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 Bill Self got from packing the three bigs and, and packing the paint, the more Devon Dotson's playmaking could, could thrive and the more Devon Dotson's playmaking could shine through. And you're not going to see a ton of paint packing at the NBA level anymore. You're just not. Now, they're still going to be much taller than him and much bigger than him because he's only 6'2 with a 6'3 wingspan, which is not good. At 20, at 20 years old, he says a lot to improve on. I do think that sometimes he gets into that habit of he goes too fast for himself. And as a Kansas fan, there's many times that you're sitting there and you just felt like Devon Dotson wasted your possession because he gets the inbounds pass, immediately sprints down the floor like the Energizer Bunny, and blows the layup. And he's going to have to learn how to slow down and to utilize his speed. You can't just keep holding the sprint button on the controller the entire game. You're going to run out of stamina, and it's going to get overplayed, and then you're going to cause yourself to blow layups. You've got to pick and choose when to use your speed to your advantage and when to take somebody off the dribble. His, his defense, of course, is not going to be very good. There's only so much you can do at 6'2 uh, with a 6'3 wingspan. There's only so much you can do. Now, I will say I never questioned his, his effort, which is good. But at 6'2, he's going to get picked on a ton. And maybe he can, with that effort he gives defensively, maybe he can um, cause some resistance to other point guards, but not much more than that. Not much more than that at all. Number 27, I have Paul Reed. Number 28, I have Jamarcus Ramsey, who I love a lot. Number 29, I have Tayshawn Alexander. And number 30, I have Jalen Smith. If you want to end up looked at Paul Reed, Jamarcus Ramsey, Tayshawn Alexander, and Jalen Smith, let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles because I wanted to round out the big board with those names because we will talk about key guys that the Thunder should target and who the Thunder should look at and things like that more in depth than just a big board perspective uh, later on in this draft process and throughout the, the weeks leading up to the draft. So we will get to those guys for sure. But if you do want an in-depth look at those guys, let me know. And I will reply back to you with what I think in-depth about those guys. But I did want to end it off at number 26 for the deep dives with Devon Dotson. Selfishly, I chose that because I want to talk about the Kansas guy. And Devon Dotson will meet with the Thunder, has met with the Thunder by now. as He's another guy I talked to at the NBA Draft Combine media availabilities. So this was a fun big board, and I put together the top 30 names. We will do a mock draft pretty soon. Do not forget the end of the week, we'll have Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports on the show on Friday to talk about the NBA offseason, what it could look like for the Thunder. 
and the rest of the NBA. Make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Thunder podcast. This is the only podcast that happens every single day about your Oklahoma City Thunder, continuing on throughout the offseason and into next season. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate all the support. It's been fantastic. Record-breaking even, by the way, record-breaking uh, support from you guys. So I cannot thank you enough. So subscribe to the show and be good. And be good to another. We'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Thunder. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.